Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. You know, at this time last week, former National Security Advisor John Bolton announced that he's ready to testify in the Senate impeachment trial if subpoenaed. This time next week... We may be hearing from him. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi hasn't given a definitive timeline on when she will send the articles of impeachment against President Trump to the Senate. But this morning, the California Democrat is huddling behind closed doors with all of her Democratic members discussing which members will be prosecuting the case in the Senate. Once the impeachment managers are selected, that kicks off a days long process that could result in opening arguments being delivered one week from today. Barry Markson in with me today and all week long. Barry, finally, it Looks like there is an end in sight in the House and the new chapter looks like it may be beginning next week in the Senate. Yeah, it looks like they're going to send it out of the House tomorrow. And, um, you know, the, the Senate, what happens in the Senate is still really kind of up for grabs. Uh, Mitch McConnell has indicated he wants a relatively quick trial and acquittal. The president has gone, uh, he's alternated between wanting a long trial, wanting witnesses, uh, wanting, a, wanting a quick trial. And now, uh, just in the last day or so, has come out and said there shouldn't even be a trial. It should just be a motion to dismiss, which they can do, and just get rid of it immediately because otherwise he thinks it'll be a stain on his presidency. Uh, but the Republican in the Senate, they've pretty much come out and said that's not going to happen. That they don't, Number one, some of them don't think that's a good thing for the president. Uh, but number two, they're just not going to vote for it. There are not 51 votes there uh, to win a motion to dismiss. Let's back up. Let's back up. I mean, the right. idea that the president of the United States wants senators to file a motion to dismiss the trial in the Senate is mind-boggling to me. Why? I don't know, because this is the president where expect the unexpected. I get the point that you're making, where there's not support for that right now. They, they don't have, they being the Republicans, don't have the 51 senators necessary, it appears, to have that dismissal take place, which is a good thing. But I don't know how convinced I am that that motion won't even be made. Here's why. I know that Republicans don't benefit from having to vote whether to dismiss or whether not to dismiss, okay? Because they would lose. So you don't typically bring motions to the floor where you're going to lose. So what would the benefit of that be other than the president wanting a loyalty test? This is a president who wants to know who's with me and who's against me. And if he can get the 35 Republicans that would vote for a motion to dismiss, that's what the president wants, not necessarily what Mitch McConnell wants. And Mitch McConnell is going to be working with the White House Throughout all of this, he's even said so himself. Yeah. There, and, and in many ways, the Mitch McConnell's trying to do what's better for the president, even if the president doesn't realize it, I think, sometimes. Um, so, yeah. So first off, the motion to dismiss, uh, there, there's one reason it may happen. Uh, and it would only be this, because Mitch McConnell has said, I'm going to emulate what happened during Clinton's impeachment 20 years ago. And for Bill Clinton's impeachment, there was initially a motion to dismiss made and a vote taken on it. It was denied. And then they had opening statements, and that took a while to do that. And then they had another vote to determine whether witnesses would be called, and then witnesses were called. And Mitch McConnell has said in his in his way of saying, this is how we're going to do it so that it's fair, but at the same time appeasing the White House and doing what's best for Trump. That's the, So that's the only reason. But I will tell you, I don't think the vote on a motion to dismiss is going to happen, Pamela. And the reason is, the last thing any Republican senator wants to do is be on record as voting right. against what the president wants. Exactly. It puts them in a bad spot. Mitch McConnell is not going to put his caucus in that position. But you also, Mitch McConnell is taking his cues from the White House. And so if the president says, I want this, 
Nah, but not it, that it's not good for yeah. him. I agree. It is not good for yeah. him. I agree. It's not good for they'll, Republicans. They'll talk, they'll talk him out of it. I we'll see because it may in fact follow what's happened with the Bill Clinton impeachment, and I think that that brings up another interesting point, Barry. Um, we know that Nancy Pelosi has held on to these articles for three, four weeks now, and it may get there this week. And Mitch McConnell w- was asked, you know, did Nancy Pelosi win? Was was her strategy of holding the articles a winning strategy for Democrats? And here's what he said. House Democrats say they're waiting for some mythical leverage. I've had difficulty figuring out where the leverage is. He's also said that uh Pelosi's delay is a strange gamut that produced absolutely nothing. And I'd push back on that. I think it did produce something. You talked about the Bill Clinton impeachment. Initially, Mitch McConnell wanted this to be over yesterday. He was going to bring it to the Senate, railroad this through, get it done quickly, acquit the president quickly. By Nancy holding on to these articles, she has forced a discussion to have the same rules as the Bill Clinton impeachment, which opens the door to potential witnesses, which Mitch McConnell and the Republicans don't want. It also opened the door, creating time for John Bolton to step forward and say, if I'm subpoenaed by the Senate, I will testify. I think that there are a lot of Republicans that want to hear what he has to say. Yeah, we've seen that that change has actually occurred here over the last week or so. So in that respect, the delay, I guess, was a positive um, uh, for Democrats. Uh, But you saw yesterday um, uh, Mitt uh, Romney came out yesterday and said, I'd like to hear from John Bolton. And he's also interested in hearing from witnesses. You've heard Susan Collins, a senator from Maine, say, I'm speaking with a small group of Republicans to work out a way to have witnesses. There have been now multiple Republican senators saying, yes, I'm interested in hearing from Bolton. They're saying that. So I think, the, and you only need four. That, that's all you need. If four Republicans say, I'll, I want to hear, not that they're going to prosecute, not that they're going to remove the president from hear. office. If four Republicans say, I want to hear from the witnesses, it'll happen. That's all they have to do. Now, if that happens, it most likely means we're going to hear from the four, or at least some of those witnesses that Democrats want. We may also hear from some of the president's witnesses. So it might mean Hunter Biden's yes. called. It might mean Joe Biden's called. Because these Republicans, if, if Romney and Collins, if they allow witnesses, they're going to be pretty hard-pressed not to let the president get some of his witnesses, too. Oh, sure. Too. Absolutely. So, so you're, going to have, you're going to hear both sides of that. It's going to become a little bit more of a circus. But i got to tell you, that's information... There should be heard yes, for the agreed. trial. And, you know, for those people, Marco Rubio came out over the weekend and said, hey, this should we should only hear information from the House. We're not supposed to get new information. The fact of the matter is the, the president hasn't allowed the John Boltons and his chief of staff and other really important witnesses who are in the heart of this hasn't allowed them to testify. So the reason the House didn't have that was because of the president's own actions. And I also think that there is a bit of cautionary tale, even for the Democrats, when it comes to John Bolton, the idea that John Bolton, who is a hot who um, has been a Republican conservative and has a long career in that category, the idea that he would be called to testify in the Senate and then just slay this president, I I think is something that they need to be careful of. We know in earlier testimony in the House that, you know, he said he didn't want to be involved in this drug deal, you know, and Giuliani and there there were other ambassadors that that he referenced. Other ambassadors and Giuliani 
He didn't say anything about the president. So that kind of gives the president a little bit of cover. Like these were the people talking about it. So if he comes to the Senate and says that, it could actually benefit the president. Just because we haven't heard from John Bolton and the Democrats want to hear from John Bolton doesn't necessarily mean that his testimony would be a slam dunk for the Democratic Party. Yeah, no, I I agree. And people who say, you know, the president fired John Bolton, so now he's going to come out and say bad things. That's not going to happen. I hope he would say the truth. That when he's sworn in to tell to testify in the U.S. Senate, he would just be honest and truthful in his in his answers. I, I think he will be. So, and there are a lot of people who have heard and already testified about some of his statements, uh, saying that this whole that Rudy Giuliani is a hand grenade and it's going to blow up in everybody's. So there's a lot there's a lot there, uh, but we should hear from him and we should hear from uh, Mick Mulvaney and people who are in the room with the president. But the the other problem we'll have if this does happen, Pamela is the president still has executive privilege and he can claim executive privilege and order these people not to testify about these issues. So we'll see. But if he keeps doing that, it, does, it draws things out. How, too. And how does that make him look? I mean, it's it's a it's an odd thing to do, too. So, you know, you, you know, we talked about it before. You don't have to prove your innocence. You just they have to prove you're guilty. That's not what the status, the, the standard here is in this case. Uh, it looks weird, though, when you keep saying, no, he can't testify. No, he can't testify. Like, what are you hiding? Yeah. I mean, I understand it, though. There is executive privilege. You have to protect that if you're the president. You have to protect that for future presidents, too. And President Trump has said that. But this doesn't feel like that as much as protecting himself. Oh, my goodness. Yes. The saga continues. And so are the days of our lives. Yes, it may, in (laughs) fact, go to the Senate next week. We're watching it for you here on KTIR. All right. Hey, you know what? Coming up next here, I I think this is the teenest prank of all time. And while most pranks, you know, they're funny. You laugh at it. They're funny. Ooh, you know what? These are funny. Parents don't like them. (laughs) and, And I will admit in this one prank, I laughed. I laughed the first time and then I took a step back and like as a parent, I'm like, oh, geez, how would I have handled that? Yeah, wait till you hear about these. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Oh, yes. Teen pranks. I mean, come on. Who can't laugh at those, right? This is the teenest prank, I think, of all time, Barry. It's a I big one. I almost got in an accident. Came across a billboard, and it was something unusual. Okay, so what could be <laughs> unusual about a billboard? Oh, my goodness. A shocking distraction for drivers along I-75. A pornographic video playing on a giant billboard. Okay, we got to take you to Michigan. I don't think you guys know where I-75 is. This is Michigan, but picture it. You don't have to be in Michigan to picture this. For me, like driving down the 202, right through the heart of ASU, you get to Tempe Marketplace. And on the right-hand side there, Barry, there is the big digital billboard, right? And it's scrolling through the app. I've seen the KTAR ads up on that billboard I don't know how many times. But instead of saying those, you're driving, and what do you see? Porn. (laughs) Porn. Up on the digital billboard. Oh, my goodness. My husband showed me this story the other day. The question I have for your husband is, why did he keep driving back? In a never mind. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I read the story, I laughed. I mean, I laughed because what happened is you had a sixteen-year-old awesome. and an eighteen-year-old who got into the maintenance shack and changed the billboard, right? Yeah, I mean the way these billboards work, you know, it's all run off a computer. Yeah. So, so there's a computer in there, and it has the rotating. into it. Every eight seconds, there's another ad. Thought this would be funny. Yes. And it is. Except then, when I take a step back and I run it through 
the filter of being a parent, and I have a 10-year-old daughter. Yeah. And I'm no, driving down that funny. same 202, and, Mom, what's that? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> it changes the good. dynamic yeah. of it all. These, these two kids. Um, well, one was 18, one was yep. 16, one was 18. And the 18-year-old has been charged with trespassing and a misdemeanor. The 17-year-old was put in a juvenile diversion program. Obviously, they didn't think this one through, as most teens don't when they're trying to pull a prank. Yeah, no, look, it, it, I get it. It was From a teen perspective, it's funny. Uh, it, it, but at the same time, you're right, Pamela. There are people driving there on the road. They don't want to see porn. No! They don't want their kids to see porn. No! And now you're basically almost forcing them to look at it because your eyes are drawn to that a little bit. And how can you not be? And it's it's definitely a bit much, but man, that's brazen. That is brazen to do that. Could you also imagine being like the nine one one dispatch when you start yeah. getting all these calls from people going, uh, nine one one, what's your emergency? There's porn I'm on the driving freeway. And on the billboard. <laughs> I mean, come on, seriously, what is going on here? Oh. Well, there's another story. Is is if. <laughs> As if hacking into the billboard and turning it to pornography wasn't right. bad enough. If you have a uh, if you have an eleven to fourteen year old, I would make sure they're not listening right now. Yeah, this is, you they're, know they're going to get you. You don't want to give them any ideas. No, I don't want to give, give them any ideas. You want to tell tell them what happened in California? This is hilarious. So they're driving down the highway. You got your kids in the back seat, right? You say hilarious. It's a, but well, again, I run it through the parent <laughs> filter, and I'm going, oh my gosh, what? So mom is driving her car. Daughter's in the back seat. She's, she's like 13 years old. And and uh, she's holding up a sign. She hand wrote a sign. And she's holding it up, up along the back, uh, you know, the window, just yeah. showing it to drivers as it goes by. And the sign says, she's not my mom. Help me. She's not my mom. Help. So drivers start calling 911. Oh. They're following the car. Oh. Obviously, they take this seriously. The police conduct what's called a felony stop. Uh-huh. That means they think you're dangerous, uh-huh. you're armed. They don't know what's going on. You get out of the car, guns are pointed yeah, at you. It, it is scary. They're yelling at you, back up towards me, down on the ground, the whole thing. They do that to the mom and discover the whole thing's a hoax. It's her daughter. She was just having a little fun, and the police did the felony stop on the mom. Can you imagine? I don't want to. <laughs> and let me tell you, you don't want to imagine what would happen in my house if that happened in my car. Good night, Irene. This is like a parent's worst nightmare. <laughs> there you are. You know what? You're cruising down the I-17, minding your own business, you know, listening to the radio, bl- blissfully unaware of what your teenager is doing in the backseat because they're not complaining, right? You're like, okay, they're quiet. They're not complaining. Let them be. And then all of a sudden, woo, woo, woo. And you're like, whoa, is that for me? Was I speeding? No, you, you start checking all those things whenever you see the, the lights in your rearview mirror. Yeah. You pull over. They're yelling at you. Get out of the car. You get down. And you're like, what the heck yeah. is going no, on? Guns are pointed at you. Can you imagine what the daughter was thinking in the backseat? Oh, like, yeah. Holy crap. They thought what? that this was real. Yeah. I guess this isn't so funny. No! No, no this it wasn't! Is, this is in California. It's on the highways in North California, so it's Chips responding, so you've got like Ponch and John, and they're <laughs> exactly. pulling you over. Uh, but they had six officers out there doing this. My, my favorite, though, is in the release from the police department. They say, this is the release, this is a reminder that parents need to be aware of what their children are doing in the backseat at all times. How are you supposed right. to know your daughter's yeah. doing that? I mean, seriously, there's no way you would ever know that. But man, that smart girl, very, very smart? clever. You, you very say clever. smart. I don't know how smart it was. How long do you, um, how long do you punish that, your daughter? That, if that would happens? be oh, oh, yeah. Until she has a sixteen-year-old, <laughs> that or thirteen-year-old. That's how long you would punish them for. Smart. I'd be wow. like. Q 
did you know the conversation? How dumb can you be, right? Oh, my And moms God. have a nightmare at right. this point and of in course, time. Of course, you know, the drivers are taking it seriously, uh, right? We all would. You know what? In this day and age where, where we're all conditioned to see something, say something, right. you don't want to be an alarmist. But if you got a kid in the backseat saying, help me, she's not my mom, help I'm going to tell you, I see that sign. We all call the police. I call, I call the course. police six ways from Sunday. Of course. All right. Hey, you know what? Storyteller and workshop leader Lisa Lampanelli coming to the Mesa Arts Center January 24th and 25th to speak about her weight loss journey. Tickets on sale now at MesaArtsCenter.com, but you can win a pair by visiting the rewards page at KTAR.com. Plus, a grand prize winner is going to win a meet and greet with Lisa at the show. Again, visit the rewards page at KTAR.com. You know what? Yesterday, the governor had his state of the state address, and, and so much time has been spent on taxes and economy. And while that's all important to us, there was one thing that the governor said I was surprised at and thankful he said it. We'll tell you what it is next. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Pamela Hughes in with Barry Markson all week long as Bruce St. James is off all week. And yesterday, Governor Doug Ducey gave his State of the State address. And a lot of discussion has been surrounding, Barry, the economy and taxes and education. All important topics, all of which impact every Arizona. But I was surprised when the governor went down a particular path yesterday, an important path, a path that impacts us all, mental health. And the governor talked about this in his State of the State address. You don't hear politicians talk about this often unless there's some sort of mass shooting. But the governor talked about it yesterday. I was impressed, so impressed that we're going to play to you in its entirety exactly what he said to us about this important issue. More needs to be done for all Arizonans struggling with this growing crisis. It's now the eighth leading cause of death in our state. This is a national problem. One needing Arizona solutions. Last year, Dr. Kara Christ, leader of the Department of Health Services, convened a group of stakeholders and mental health experts to develop a plan to combat suicide and save lives. And when it comes to our kids in the iPhone era, they face a world dramatically different than the one we grew up in. Modern technology, social media, loneliness, vaping. We need solutions that focus on the whole child, promoting personal resilience, leveraging our community and a supportive environment. Let's start by increasing access to mental health care. Insurance companies should be covering mental health just like they cover an annual physical. 
and we're going to make sure they do. You know what? No major policy announcement there other than the suggestion that insurance companies cover mental health like they do physical exams, which I think exactly it should be what happens, Barry. But the very fact that the governor brought up this important critical issue in his State of the State address, I think, shows how far we've come. And I'd like to think that this show has been a big part of destigmatizing mental health and talking about the struggles that not only our teens have been going through, but so many people listening right now are either going through themselves or have a loved one or someone close to them are going through. Yeah, it's, it's obviously a growing issue in the entire country and here in Arizona. And it's good to see the governor highlighting that with his uh, with the State of the Union. I mean, it, to say that uh, he's going to I mean, I'm curious to see what comes of this. Are we going to have a law that says in, in order to write health insurance in Arizona, you have to include mental health coverage? Is he going to say that Arizona is going to pay uh, to increase funding to access so that poor people can get money for or, or get treatment for mental health issues? Uh, you know, I, I'm glad he said it. It's great to highlight the issue. I'm curious to see what actually comes from it. Yeah, but I think that we just have to acknowledge that the issue is even brought up because this is something it goes to show to me that we're moving in the right direction. I hear what you're saying. There are great questions when it comes to what does this mean? But I think the fact that it was even just in it was an important aspect to highlight because it is something that so many people, not just in our community, but all over the country have been battling with. Yeah, no, there's no question. It's an ongoing issue. Frankly, it's probably an issue we've been dealing with for decades. We just didn't call it mental health. We didn't know what to call it. And, and there was a lot of stigma yeah. surrounding the idea of going to talk to a shrink right. or, hey, you know what? Your problems aren't as big as this person, so rub some dirt on it. Right. Or or just to say, you know, you know shake it off or, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or, you know, not recognizing that depression is uh, is a clinical issue or a chemical issue, that there's other that there's a whole bunch of things that we've learned in the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years about mental illness. So good to see. Uh, with the governor and other people bring it to the light that it's out in the open. We can talk about it just like you talk about anything else. People don't shy away from talking about cancer or diabetes or heart disease. We shouldn't shy away from talking about mental illness either. But you know that that's been an evolution. Yeah. I mean, when Bruce and I make a concerted effort to have roundtable discussion with local community leaders, specifically what's happening when it comes to teen suicide, there is some pushback from folks out there saying, well, if you talk about it, it plants the seed. And you know what? We don't want to plant the seed. The seed's already been planted. We had a clinical psychologist from ASU, uh, Dr. Aaron Krasnow, on that says, you have to be talking about these things. You're not planting that seed. It's there. And by knowing that kids and adults have somebody that they can trust and talk to about these important issues gives them hope. And it gives me hope that the governor took the opportunity yesterday to address what is a growing problem in our community. Well, yeah, I mean, he definitely talked about it during the State of the Union. That's high, or State of the State. I keep saying that, but it definitely highlights it. Definitely makes a, puts a spotlight on it, and we'll see what the legislature does. I mean, it, that's the. It's easy, it, not easy to talk about it because we haven't. You're right; it hasn't been talked about as much as it should have been. Now the question is: Do you put money with it? I mean, that's that's the next step. Is the state going to add money to Arizona Access so that underprivileged or poor people can get access to mental health care where maybe they don't get that now? Uh, is the state going to require that health insurers include mental health coverage? in their policies. That's the next step. Yeah, because it's it's health. We include physicals in that. You know, the the scars and the damage that is done from 
mental health trauma or mental health um, issues, whether it be depression or anxiety or PTSD, whatever it may be, those are the things you can't see. And just because somebody falls down the stairs and breaks their leg and you can physically see the injury doesn't mean that the person who went through a traumatic experience in their life doesn't have something that they need to work through and get the same kind of mental health, again, the word health in that, support and healing as well. Yeah. Well, and people have to seek out the help as well, right? There's an awful lot of folks who who have mental illness, maybe even aware of it, but they maybe it's a stigma. I don't know what it is, but maybe they don't want the help either. So it's a, it's a very, very difficult issue that we're just really now scratching the surface of. And, and I'm proud, you know, with, with Bruce and I having taken this issue and talking about it in this community and getting leaders to, to have provocative conversations about this issue that, like I said, is impacting our young kids as well as so many adults out there. Yes, you have to ask for that help because there is help out there. But by talking about it, by acknowledging it, it gives other people permission and the strength to do so. And I think that that was the first step. And again, I take my hats off to Governor Doug Ducey for including that in the state, a state address. I think it just is an example as to how far we've come, because there are still a lot of people out there that believe that there's a stigma attached. So the more you talk about it, the more you destigmatize it. All right. So uh, coming up next, uh, we'll tell you about a trip to the airport that turned super creepy for a woman and has me thinking twice about what kind of luggage tag I put on my own bags. It's coming up next here on KTIR. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. You may feel like somebody's always watching you. (laughs) But in this next story, Barry, and that laughed is Barry Markson. And all week as Bruce St. James is out. In this story, Barry, someone was actually being watched. We got to take you to San Diego. And that's where we meet Ashley. Ashley was getting on a flight. Heading to Chicago. She's standing there at the gate and she got a text message. I mean, like how many of us have been in a similar situation, right? You could imagine yourself at Terminal 2 at Phoenix Sky Harbor. You get this text message and it's from a number you don't know. And she gets this text message that says, hi, how are you doing? She's like, who is this? Right. Next message. By the way, I must tell you, you're gorgeous. I get huh? I get texts like that all the time. You know the what? Way. No surprise. I'm I'm not surprised by that in the slightest, Barry. Mostly from Steve. That's a whole different segment. <laughs> so she thanked the person texting her and was like, "Who is this again? I I don't know how this is. How you got my number and and why you're texting me? You guess." The person texts. Now she's getting a little creepy, and and then the next one was, "I just saw you at the airport again." You're looking very gorgeous in your gray top today. Oh, my. That's the, the creepiness level just went up big there. She looks down. Of course, she's wearing gray going, who is this? Yeah, what do they want? Why are they all, going on? And around. she's thinking, okay, oh. I don't know how this has happened. Just get me on the flight. She gets on the flight. And the texts continue. More than 100 text messages where this person then says, hey, why don't you join me? I've got two seats next to me. I can be very beneficial to you. Better seats. Good upgrader. Not only that, though, she comes to find out that he works for American Airlines, the very airline for which was operating the flight, 
What's your seat number? He asks. Let's chat the whole flight. I've got two seats open to me. She she pushes in this back and forth because she's still engaging him. Creep factor 10. But finally, she's like, how did you get my number? Wait for it, ladies. Wait for it. Ready? He says, honestly, I got it from your bag tag. Yeah. How many of us have the luggage tag that has maybe not your home address, but it has your cell phone number? Why? If it gets lost, the airline has to have a way of contacting you. Yeah. I mean, we always laugh about those little bag tags with the cover on it and everything. And people just hand write it on half the time. The little little thing at the airport. Apparently, this guy got the number off. Very creative. It's very creative, Pamela. Here's the thing, Barry. This is all going through lawsuits and litigation. And the big thing that jumped out to me. It's not the first time he's done it. No. Yeah, well, one of the other flight attendants said that he had done this before. This is crazy. He was an American Airlines employee, but not on the job at the time. He was just flying. I don't know if he's, in a, you know, he's getting to his next spot or he's just going on a trip. But I got to tell you, this is just creepy, and it's, more, it's progressively just gets worse and worse. And, and the problem for me is, as I, as I read this, it's a guy who thinks he's being flirtatious and fun. He doesn't get how creepy he sounds. Guys are weird, Pamela. Oh, wait, wait, what was that? Wait, wait, what was that? Guys are weird. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. They are. And and it's, I think you make a a great point there. It's not random. Guys don't run things through the the filter of how is is this going to make this woman feel? They run it through the filter of, hey, she's kind of cute and I want to get to know her. Yeah. And they go to these crazy lengths of copying down a cell phone number that they saw on her bag tag. And then are so bold and brash to actually text it and engage her. I bet this guy, in his mind, was already telling the story to his grandkids about how he met their grandmother. How romantic, right? Yeah, I I saw she was so beautiful. I I, I had to meet her, and I took her number off her bag tag. What you think is romantic is creep factor 10. Oh, it's so bad. But you can tell as you're looking at some of the back and forth texts on here, he just thinks he's being charming. He thinks he's being flirty. It's, It's super creepy. And he here's might, the, but you, okay, so he he thinks by he's the way, she's sitting in her seat. She's crying. She's calling over a flight I, I attendant. Imagine. I don't know what to do. The, she's like, what? Do, what the, showing them to the flight attendant. The flight attendant's freaking out. And it, it's it's weird. Here's the weird thing about that too: that the, the flight attendant was able to identify who she thought this was, yeah. and told the woman where this guy was, and continuously checked, checked up on, on the two of them, make sure they were separated, and then told again, told this woman Ashley. This isn't the first time he's done it. Yeah. When the flight landed, security guards came on and escorted him off. Yeah. This flight attendant knew this guy's, you know, MO. MO, yeah. And was trying to protect that woman. But I don't know what happened with the other cases. And, and American Airlines obviously not commenting on that because this is, you know. Oh, they're going to be sued. They're, they're, yeah, it's going through litigation but, right Well, now. here's the deal. American Airlines employee knew this guy was doing yep. it. And, American and, Airlines knew. And, and then they didn't do anything about it. But here's, again, how bad these guys get at the end where she's not responding anymore. Because you're probably saying, well, why does she keep responding? She stops responding. She's not, she's not giving anything back to him. And he writes, I think it's a no then. And then still no response. So he attaches an animated picture of a man holding a flower and he wrote, forgive me, he thinks it's cute. He doesn't even understand how bad this is. There guys are a are lot weird. of guys that don't understand how bad it is. And imagine, I'm putting myself into her shoes, where you think that once you get out of the gate, because you don't know who that is, you get on the flight, you're going to yeah. be safe. But then when you get in that plane 35,000 feet, you realize the guy that's stalking you on your cell phone 
is somewhere on this flight. Yeah, it's the call scary. is coming from inside the house. <laughs> I mean, how that is scary yeah. is that? And you know what? It's a lesson to uh, get a new luggage tag, Pamela. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what that get, is. Get a cover on that thing. Um, should rich Arizonans have to pay more in taxes to help pay for education in our state? Well, you, yes, you, may have the chance to vote on that come November. We're diving into it more next here on KTIR.